Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Happy Father's Day. The women got roses and we got the bill. Amen. <laughs> but happy Father's Day. We're glad you're here this morning. And um, we got, I think, 41 leaving in the morning to go to camp to the verge. Let's give the Lord a clap of praise on that. So we've had to send more vans and more vans this year. We got three vans and a U-Haul. So maybe next year we have to charter a bus. Amen. You believe that? Amen. So if, let's go to Joel chapter three. Um, Joel chapter three. I'm going to preach to the men today. Do my best to preach to the men. So you women get ready to shout because I'm going to beat them up good. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. We're so thankful for your presence. Lord, open our eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us ears to hear the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Father, really give give us eyes to see the power of that yes. Simple obedience does change history, Father. So Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives in our region, in this community. Let us leave today encouraged, strengthened by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, obviously, a lot of stuff that I'm going to share is uh, some of it's out of my personal time and some of it, majority of my notes come out of certain pieces of writing. How many has ever read any of Mark Batterson's books in this room? Got a few people. If you're a man's man, you would love his writing. He writes John Wayne style. I love to read his books. Um, the Lion, what is the Lion Chaser and different ones. And we had uh, read a book a while back, sometimes last, uh, maybe last year, the year before. Um, and Cleve actually took his whole group through the book. And so this morning, I want to preach on, I'm not really a, uh, a four points guy, but I'm going to give you four points this morning of virtues of manhood. And how many knows that we desperately need men in this time and this hour? Hello. Come on, y'all. That is the problem to our, that is the answer to the problems in our community if we would raise the men up. If we would raise the men up in the house of God. Come on, if we would take our place. I'm telling you, it's, it's a powerful thing to watch a woman wave a flag and dance, but it's a whole other thing when a man begins to dance before God. Hello. Hello. Father, help us. Help us take our place. Help me, the one holding the mic, take our place in our homes. Men, it is our job to lead in the house. Come on, somebody. It's not the wife's job to pray us through. It's our job to lead. God planted us as the priest in the house. Come on, somebody. Hello. And so this morning, I want to give us a challenge. I want to give us a challenge. I realize I'm privileged of, of, uh, with three sons of my own, and I desperately 
pray all the time, God, help me to lead them and guide them in the right direction. But we desperately need men to rise up in our community and in our churches. How many knows, first of all, if it, if it starts at my house, it'll eventually get in the church. If it gets in the church, it'll get in the community. If it gets in a community, it'll get in the state. Come on, somebody. If it can get in a state, it'll get in a nation. I'm believing for cultural transformation this morning. Hello. That's what I wake up every day for, believing. I'm not believing God to build no great church. I'm believing God to see a whole entire community changed and a nation changed. Do you believe that? The Bible says that God, Isaiah 2, I'm just trying to build our faith, that ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. Can a nation be born in a day? We saw a nation come to God. Come on, somebody. In one day on September 11th, prayer that had been banned in schools was now welcomed in schools. But I believe we can see it without tragedy, tragedy or devastation. I believe that we can see it come again this time out of desperation of the church. When the church gets reignited with our passion. And I think one of the things that we struggle for in praying for revival, we're waiting to see something large happen. Friend, I want to tell you something. Revival started in me over 21 years ago when I met the Lord. Come on, somebody. It's God's job to light the flame. It is your job to steward the flame. If the flame has gone out in your life, friend, it is not God's fault. It's because you did not steward what he ignited in your life. And the Bible says, in the, come on now, Leviticus 6, that the fire shall never go out on the altar. It shall ever be burning. And to keep a fire burning, you got to steward it. you got to poke it. you got to prod it. you got to add wood on it. you got to sweep out the ashes. The church has too long tried to live off of last year's manifestation. When the Bible says God's mercies are new every day, friend, he's awaiting you in a prayer room, in a personal place to ignite the flame inside of you. My God. Oh, yes, Jesus. I could about just share with you the letter I wrote my son. I dropped him off this morning at 7. He's a little bit after 7. He's going to Berry College this week for camp, a baseball camp. And one of the things I told him in that letter, it's your job to steward the fire. God ignites the fire. But it is your job to steward the fire, friend. That is not on Sundays. How many knows what I'm talking about? This is just a power encounter that you're getting in this room. But the real power awaits you in the secret place, friend, when you're alone. Come on, somebody. My God, if you hear anything this morning, I believe what God is wanting is he's wanting raw passion again to come from the hearts of men. We need men with passion. It is time that the church gets passionate. Come on, somebody. Holy heartburn is the answer to our problems in this community. Holy heartburn in the hearts of men. So listen to this out of Joel 3. Famous text. Pastor Scott, we're privileged to have you this morning. Just wave at the people where they know who you are. He's blessed us to have Michaela and Zach over here. Pastors Liberty Christian Fellowship in Gotten, Georgia. I preached in that church, a great church, beautiful place. Some years ago, he and his wife are doing a great work in that city, and we bless you. We bless everything that your hand touches there. Father, we pray for a mighty outpouring to come to Liberty Christian Fellowship. Strengthen, Father God, strengthen the leaders in that church. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, Lord. We thank you for the things that you planted in that city. And Lord, we thank you that some plant some water, but you always give the increase. And Father, we ask for increase over that in Jesus' name. Amen. Joel chapter 3, you there? Verse 9 says, proclaim this among the nations, prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. How many knows we got what mighty men? We just got to be woke up sometimes. I heard Damon Thompson preach this years ago. Didn't get this on my own, but it's very good. David, before he became the leader he became, he had to defeat two things. He had to defeat a lion and a bear. A lion is known to move in pride. Come on, somebody. The man has to defeat pride. The other thing he has to defeat is the bear. What does a bear do? He hibernates and sleeps half his life. If we can defeat pride, come on, somebody. And we can defeat sleepiness, lethargicness, apathy. We can shake a nation. Come on now. Come on now. So it says, wake up the mighty men. 
Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruner hooks into spears and let the weak say that I'm strong. You are not weak in this house this morning, sir. You are strong. I said we are not weak in this house. We are strong. Now let me read you. I'm going to read several things. I got a pile of stuff right here. This is just good. This is right here. It's from Mark Batterson. He said, in 1744, the College of William and Mary sent a letter to six Native American chiefs offering a free education to 12 of their young braves. The chief politely declined the offer with the following reply. Several of our young people were formerly brought up at the colleges of the northern provinces. They were instructed in all your sciences, but when they came back to us, they were bad runners ignorant of every means of living in the woods, unable to bear cold or hunger, knew neither how to build a cabin, take a deer, or kill an enemy, spoke our language imperfectly, and were therefore neither fit for hunters, warriors, or counselors. They were totally good for nothing. The chiefs then made an effort of their own. If the gentlemen of Virginia will send us a dozen of their own sons, we'll take care of their education and instruct them all we know and make men of them. Listen to this. Jack Hayford says this. Children are born, but men are formed. I'll say that again. Children are born, but men are formed. Often in church, we want zoo life, a safe, predictable environment. The kingdom of God is the wild habitat. We will never have mighty men without the wild habitat. Mighty men are not drawn to the zoo life. Mighty men are drawn to the wild habitat of the kingdom. Church is zoo life. When you go to, when you go to the zoo, the eagle walks around on the ground, but he will never do that in the wild habitat. At the zoo, the deer will come to you and allow you to feed it. It will never do that in the wild habitat. Men are drawn to the wild habitat of the kingdom. When John the Baptist got ready, he goes to the wilderness. Jesus was always on the move. He said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was always on the move because he never allowed his men to get in an apathetic state. Come on, somebody. Many of us want to see the Lord in a bright new way, but you know that Peter, James, and John was privileged to see the Mount uh, of uh, Jesus transformed on the Mount of Transfiguration. To get to that place, they first had to climb the mountain. What I've found in my life and the things that God has, has, has brought me has been because I have always had a hunger and been willing to climb. You've got to have a hunger and be willing to climb. Everybody's not going to be in passion. Come on, somebody. Most of the crowd is looking for just a Sunday service or a Wednesday night service. I have never looked for that, friend. Once I got a touch from God in the secret place, it is a touch that I can never forget. Come on, somebody. It is something that you long for. It is something that you cannot live without. Religion will never suffice the kingdom life. Come on, somebody. It will suffice in the zoo life, but it will never satisfy the hunger of a real man that has ever encountered Jesus. He must climb past the walls of religion for a real touch. He must see the hair like wool, the feet like brass, and the eyes of a flame of fire. When he appeared to John, he said, come up higher. There's always more. Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. This is one lie the church has said. If you just get saved, everything's all right. Jesus told us the environment he was going to birth us in. How many would love to sign up and say, Listen here, I'm going to send you out, but you're going out in the midst of wolves. Well, hold on, Lord. I thought it was going to be roses. I thought everything was going to be hunky-dory. But he says, I want you to be wise as serpents and harmless as a dove. Listen to this. In 1995, the gray wolf was reintroduced to Yellowstone National Park. After a 70-year hiatus, the size and scope of this ripple effect surprised scientists. Wolves are predators that kill certain species and animals, but they indirectly give life to others. As wolves begin killing coyotes... As the wolves begin killing coyotes, the rabbits and mouse population increased. 
thereby attracting more hawks, foxes, badgers, and the deer had overpopulated the park and overgrazed parts of Yellowstone. The flora and berries came back, so there were a spike in bear population. In six years' time, the bear valleys were reforested with aspen, willow, and cottonwood trees. The rivers had returned back to their normal flow patterns because the erosions had stopped. We need wolves. In the absence of danger, a sheep will just remain a sheep. My God. The same with a man. A sheep is no match for a wolf unless the sheep has a shepherd. A man discovers who he is in the who he is is in the wild, and he also discovers who God is in the wild. A lot of times we want our problems just to pass by. Come on, somebody! But we got to understand there can be no growth without process. There can be no growth without pain. The same thing you do in the gym is you tear your muscle fibers down, and it takes protein to build them and reconstruct them back. It is the same way emotionally and it is the same way spiritually. Some of the things that we think is the enemy attacking us is only just a process that God has designed to bring us up higher and to grow us. So here's my first point. The first virtue of manhood is tough love. Tough love is more difficult to obtain than physical toughness. It sets the men apart from the boys. A tough guy isn't someone who can blacken an eye or bloody a nose. It is someone who is willing to be nailed to a cross for someone they love. Listen to this. Luke 9, 23 says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow hard after me. It is estimated that a Roman cross weighed 300 pounds. Even if Jesus only carried the crossbar, it was still placed on raw flesh that had just been flogged. And he carried it no less than 650 yards down the Via Della Rosa. Jesus knew that conflict, not comfort, is the catalyst for growth. Orrin Wells gives a famous speech in the third man in Italy for 30 years under Borges. They had warfare, terror, and murder, and bloodshed, but they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In In Switzerland, they had peace, brotherly love, and 500 years of democracy. And what did they produce? The cuckoo clock. Listen to this verse of Scripture. In Ecclesiastes 12, 11 says, says, The words of the wise are like goads. A goad was a spike stick using for driving cattle. We are never going to become men without some confrontation. Now let me just say this. It has always been in my heart about men. Matt will remember this. It was some, we used to have these gatherings, what we called the cry in the wilderness. They were set at this uh, pond house that uh, I had been graced and favored by a businessman. And he let me have this whole place. And it would hold probably, I don't know what, a hundred inside the pond house and it had this big dock over a pond it was just a nice place to cook and so we decided we was going to do something in our town we was going to start gathering men at these meetings and we would we would not do worship but we would feed guys because that's the way you get people to come to church hello you gotta feed them (laughs) so we would feed them and then we'd have different ones to share And I would choose the guys that had shared. And I remember one night in this meeting that God instructed me, there was an elder that was in our church when Catherine and I were in our early 20s. He had built an altar to put in his house. God told me to call him and borrow his altar and teach him the personal place of prayer. And I remember sitting there that whole night, guy had shared, and it was good. And then I, I know how to set an atmosphere. I took, the, I took a, a jukebox in there and I put some worship on and I got up and began to share about the personal place of prayer. And Matt will tell you this, the power of God fell in that room and there was men coming forth. And we, we, I remember a guy coming forth and he had, he had Laurel set in his pocket and he just pulled the pills out of his pocket and he was beating them on that altar and said, I'm tired of being bound by this. Friend, I'm telling you, what we need in the church is a double dose of the Holy Ghost again in the house of God. Come on, he, is he a chain breaker or is he not? Come on, somebody. What we Because we have no power in the church, we have resorted to counseling people. Come on, somebody. But I'm telling you, when the power of God shows back up again in the house of God, we won't have to have people counsel through some things. They, some things can be broken off by the power of God. I believe that with all my heart. I believe whom the sun set free is freed indeed. Come on, somebody. 
So it says, a goad. We must comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. A goad was a stick used for driving cattle. We're never going to become men without confrontation. One thing that we've, we've said in the church is we need accountability. Well, accountability, the way we've done it in the church is, is we've looked at people that struggle and say, I want you to be accountable that I'm not going to smoke. I want you to be accountable that I'm not going to look at something I'm not should look at. I want you, I want to be accountable. But let me tell you what true accountability is. Is you get with a group of people that knows what's in your account and that knows what's your ability. Come on, somebody. And when we see someone living below their account or living below their ability, we don't beat them up, but we remind them, man, let me tell you who you are. You're a man of God. What are you doing acting like that? Come on, somebody. You called to be a prophet to the nations. Why are you living like that? That is what accountability is. And as men, we need accountability and we need to be poked and we we need to be poked and we need to be prodded. Come on, somebody. Now, here's the thing. Once you get somebody poking in your life, a lot of times what we want to do is disconnect. But you're never going to become the man you're supposed to be alone. I, I start... How do you recognize a false prophet? Simply, he's alone. How do you recognize a false apostle? He's alone. God is found in community. God said, let us make man in community. Come on, somebody. Jesus, when he prayed in Matthew 6, when he taught them to pray, he didn't say pray your personally, your personal heavenly father. He said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's a power that is found in community. The new wine will not be found in the grape. It will be found in the cluster. Come on, somebody. I said the new wine is not found in the grape. It is found in the cluster. God is looking for a cluster, a community, a people that he can pour the river out in. And that's where the new wine is found. Not in the grape, but in the cluster. If we want that kind of presence in our life, we must get connected to the vine and connect each other. We must have a tough skin and a soft heart. Proverbs 19.11 said, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. How many know as a man you got to overlook some offense? Get you some kids. By the way, he writes in one of his books, Mark Batterson does the word diaper. The word diaper spelled backwards is repaid. I remember when I was about 15, I was about 16 years old. 16, I was 16 or 17 years old. And I needed the brakes changed on my truck. I didn't know how to change the brakes. My dad did. So my dad was underneath the truck. And I said, Dad, I said, would you hurry up and get finished with this truck? I got to go to town. I got to, I got to meet some people. I wasn't down there helping him or nothing. He was slaving under the truck. I was in there getting ready to go to town. And I'll never forget, he comes up out from under the fender wheel. He said, there's one thing I hope for you, son. He said, there's one, if I could wish one thing for you, he said, I hope that God allows you to have a son just like you are. And not only did he give me one, he gave me three. And the last one is still plated in the head. Come on, somebody. I always tell, I always tell Catherine, that's the one. That's the one daddy sent us right there. Listen to this. When you, when you take an offense, you become defensive. Listen to this. When you take an offense, you become defensive. Defensive, And the second you become defensive, the kingdom of God stops advancing through you. My God, this is good. Listen, when you take an offense, you become defensive. And the second you become defensive, the kingdom of God stops advancing through you. What Jesus didn't do was he did not defend himself. On the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. You've got to have tough skin and a soft heart. Learn how to overlook some things. No church is perfect. Sir, can I tell you that Cornerstone is not a perfect church, but it is a family of believers that are striving to have the river of God to come to a community. And you've got to learn how to overlook some things. Come on, somebody. You've got to have tough skin and a soft heart. You've got to allow men to look into your eyes and say, you're not all that in a bag of chips. Hello, we need grown men to look at other grown men and say, let me tell you something, your attitude stinks. You're not right with God right now. Your flesh is acting up. Get yourself on the altar and change your life. This is how we mature and grow up. Well, I don't like that. Well, stay the way you are. 
But I'm telling you what I have seen. Come on, some. I'm tired of looking at 45-year-old 40, grown men with pacifiers in their mouth. It is high time we grow up. Hello, somebody. God has not called us to bottle feed a church and burp you on the way back out. He's calling us to rise up sons and daughters and fathers and mothers in the house. Hello. How are we ever going to train and equip a generation if we can't be told something? Lord, you said, well, I'm only going to have this person correct me. Let me just say, pull out my own sins. I remember one night I lost it. And I remember, I remember John Bentley crying. And he jumped up in, he jumped up in his bed and he said, Dad, that's not right. And you know that's not right. And immediately when that child pointed his finger at me, it was his God and set up on the bed and said, you're not right. Let me tell you something. Every time, Dad, that we show rage in our household, we're teaching our children that our Heavenly Father rages up. Let me tell you, He never rages up. The only time He's in a rage is when the enemy is attacking you, friend. That's when He's standing up. Hello? Hello? Well, don't you know about the judgment of God? Have you ever read the book of Judges? That is the judgment of God. And God raises up men to judge the enemy, not you, friend. He's already judged Jesus on your behalf. So we got to have some tough skin and a soft heart. Let me tell you what makes your heart soft, prayer. My wife can tell when there hasn't been no prayer. Hello. When you are at a personal place of prayer and communion with God, you're soft. You pull up the hardies and they tell you to pull forward to the white line. And they leave you there for 15 minutes. And you out there singing spiritual songs unto the Lord. Oh, we bless your name. Lord, thank you for a minute. And just pray. That's when you've been in a personal place of prayer. No prayer. You look at them. Cuss them two times. Say it ain't so. Prayer in the personal place, intimacy with God makes the heart soft. Second virtue of manhood is childlike wonder. Listen to this. Real men are dreamers and thinkers. On October the 14th, 1912, Teddy Roosevelt was campaigning for the White House when he was shot at point-blank range with a 32 caliber pistol. The bullet lodged two inches deep in his chest. He opened his speech by declaring, the bullet's in me now, so I cannot make a very long speech. Roosevelt spoke for 53 minutes. By the time he was done standing, by the time he was done standing in a pool of his own blood, he was a man's man. Roosevelt's resume of manliness. He rode a moose, took down an armed cowboy during a barroom brawl, crossed a river to chase boat thieves worked a ranch in the Dakotas, flew a Wright Brothers airplane, scaled the Matterhorn in the Swiss Alps, went on a month-long African safari, navigated uncharted parts of the Amazon River. Listen to this. He set up a boxing ring in the White House so he could spar with anybody who dared get in the ring with him. Teddy had a passion for reading, managing to read about 500 books a year and that was why he was president. He also managed to write 35 books. One biographer said he would brush his teeth and jump in bed, lay his revolver next to his pillar, and read a minimum of one book per night. I can hear the men saying now, my God, he's still on this reading thing. I will be on it till I die. According to neurologists, our brains have a storage capacity of approximately 2.5 petabytes, 1 million gigabytes. That is the equivalent of recording 300 million hours of high-definition television. That's what God has equipped you with. According to Pew Research Institute, half adults read fewer than five books a year. And men read 13% fewer than women. Listen to this. The most important law of ecology is this. For an organism to survive, the rate of learning must be equal 
to or greater than the rate of change happening around them. Sir, let me tell you this. If you're not a studier, you're not current. Hello. Peter said that we be established in the present truth. That's why I'm all the time listening, always listening to prophetic voices and other voices that are not in South Georgia. Because I want to make sure what I'm hearing matches what they're hearing. I want us to be established in the present truth. The word disciple comes from the Greek word mathetos. The root word meaning means the mental effort needed to think something through. So by definition, a disciple is someone who never stops learning. Faith is not mindless, but mindful. Half-minded is no better than half-hearted. In Matthew 16, when Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to Jerusalem to be crucified, Peter grabs him and says, Lord, that shall never happen to you. And he rebukes Peter and, and, and says, Satan, get behind me, for you are not mindful of the things of God. Can I tell you that our houses will change if the men in this church will get their mind full of the things of God? God, I can't get no help this morning up in here. I said that our, t- our houses will change. Our marriages will change. Our children will act different if the men in this house would get their mind full of the things of God. Hello. To get your mind full of the things of God, you must read. Listen to this. What the eye sees is determined by what the brain has learned. This is powerful. What the eye sees is determined by what the brain has learned. When astronomers look, at, for, look for the constellations, stars, and planets, they see more because they know more. Listen to this. John 4, 22, Jesus, the Samarit- Jesus told the Samaritans, you worship what you do not know. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Could our ignorance be hindering our level of worship? Quality of worship is determined by quantity of knowledge. Why do I go after it so hard? Because I've seen more. I've seen more. I've seen 3,000 people instantly baptized in the Holy Ghost when I was 18 years old in the Batwell Auditorium in Birmingham, Alabama. I've not yet seen it down here in the south. Come on. And right here where I'm pastor, but I have seen it with my eyes. I know that more is available. Hello. We have always, when we were, when we were young, in our early 20s in ministry, our pastors would take us to a conference and say, this is what's out there. This is what's available. Never get discouraged where we're at. This is the direction we're headed. If you can see it, come on, somebody. You can have it. I said, if you can see it, you can have it. Real men are thinkers and childlike wonder. Well, Pastor, I mean, you just don't understand my life. You don't know the things that I struggle with. I've always struggled with this, sir. Let me tell you how you break that. You get a vision for your life that's greater than what you're struggling with. Did you hear what I tell you? You get a vision for your life greater than what you're struggling with. If you've always struggled with drugs and you've never been a part, you, you can't never break the cycle, you get a vision for your life that's greater than that cycle. Come on. And I promise you, how do you know that the Bible says without vision, people cast off restraint and run wild. But with vision, you will constrain yourself to obtain that vision. You've got to ask God. God, fill me with vision. Give me something bigger than what I'm believing for. Lord, I'm preaching way better than you been letting on, but that's all right. Listen to this. Paul told his spiritual son Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show yourself approved. 
I was a studier long before I ever had a pulpit. Come on, somebody. When I had just had an office in the back corner of our house, I would study to show myself approved. I don't study to preach. Come on, somebody. I study because I'm fascinated by God, and I want to learn Him. I want to know Him. I want to know His ways. Come on, somebody. I want to know how He thinks. I want to know how He moves. That's why I study. I'm impassioned about Him. We got a church that's impassioned by the the things of God, but not God Himself. One of the things I wrote in the letter to my son is I said, never be enamored by the blessing. But if you will always be fascinated by Jesus, you will never have to worry about the blessing. The blessing will always be on your life. If your main focus is Him, come on somebody. If we got Him, we got everything. We got the healer. Come on somebody, we got the provider. You got everything when you got Him. Be a man of your word, but most important, be a man of the word. I do not want to hear a man in here say, the good book says. Don't the man upstairs say that? Know what it says. Listen, you said, well, man, what are you talking about? Do you know that there's never been a generation that has had the Word of God the way this generation has, but yet we are the most biblical, illiterate generation that has ever graced the planet? you got any translation you want on your phone. Come on, somebody. The Bible is is all around you, yet we are the most biblical, illiterate generation. And my people, this is what Hosea said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What you don't know is killing you. What you don't know is eating your finances. It's destroying your marriage. What we don't know is getting us. Hello. Study to show yourself approved. Be a man of your word, but most important, be a man of the word. Third virtue. Got to pick it up right here just a little bit. The third virtue of manhood is willpower. If you ain't got no willpower, let's establish this right now. You're a boy, not a man. Hello. To be a man, you got to have willpower. You got to be a self-motivator. Nobody don't call me and say, you're going to pray, you're going to study. I hung with the Braves all last night and they threw it away in the last inning. I'm going to come on. Listen to this. You got to have willpower. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Listen here, who's overcome? Jesus has already overcome. That should give you confidence right now that whatever you are facing, you will overcome it. Why? He has already overcome. There is no situation under the sun in which your ability to respond will be taken away from you. Oh God, we got to tell a generation this, that you are responsible for your choices. You are, Carson Merwin, responsible for your choices. Don't ever come here and say, Cody made you do it. Cody ain't make you did anything. If he punch you in the teeth, he ain't make you do nothing. You are responsible for your own choices. Hello. The blame game. Adam started that in the garden. And we still using it. You, you, sir, are responsible for your own choices. There's no situation under the sun in which your ability to respond will be taken away from you. Notice I didn't say react, but respond. Reacts when you're in the flesh. As Pastor Dale told us, that's why on the amulets, they don't call them the first reactors. They call them the first responders. Because when you respond to something, you move in wisdom. Out of knowledge. You may not control your circumstances, but you can, can, retro, can control your reactions to them. You may not can control your circumstances, but you can control your reactions to them. This is what separates men from boys. What do we do when our marriage is falling apart? Do we take courage or do we fall apart? What do we do when the kids are acting up? Do we take courage or do we fall apart? Listen to this. I'm telling you, this is good right here for every person in here, not just a man. Delayed gratification 
is a must if you want to be successful. I'm going to say that again. Delayed gratification, young men, delayed gratification is a must if you're going to become a man and be successful. Listen to this study that was done. Each kid was getting this, in this study, each kid was given a marshmallow. This study was done and they watched these over like 25 years. Each kid was given a marshmallow. And the promise was given to the child that was given a marshmallow. He got real excited about that. Each child was given a marshmallow. And they were told, if you do not eat the marshmallow, you will receive another marshmallow. If you don't eat the marshmallow, you'll receive another marshmallow. The ones that did not eat the marshmallow fared way better throughout life than the ones that ate the marshmallow. Come on, y'all. This is why we have men that cannot take responsibility. When Jesus said, love your wife like Christ loved the church, Christ took responsibility for the church. Go help me right here. I said Christ took responsibility for the church by laying himself down for the church. Part of being a man and a father is about taking responsibility. If we had men that took responsibility, we wouldn't have an abortion problem in this nation. Hello? Gosh, mighty. I figured we'd get at least about four helps up in here. I mean, listen. Delayed gratification is a must to be successful. My grandfather's generation said it like this. We will, we will pay now and play later. We have long left that, and now we want to play and pay later. I will tell you that will never work financially. It will never work spiritually, and it will never work in our marriage. We must pay to play. Come on, somebody. Hello. Here's another thing. When we're youthful, we see people that are success. We see people that are successful. We see the ones even in this congregation that are successful that God has blessed mightily. But what we fail to realize to see in the youthfulness is the journey that it took to get there. No one arrives there overnight. Come on, there's no such thing as an overnight success. That's winning the lottery. And if you ever watch the curse of the lottery, 99.9% of the people who win it can't manage it. Come on, somebody. Hello. We do not pray for riches. We want wealth. Riches come and go, but wealth lasts generations. God is in the wealth building. Hello. He's not in the riches building. He's in the wealth building. And those who are in the wealth building business knows this, that you can't take somebody's money and then six months, can you, Nicholas, six months, make them, four, uh, I mean, a hundred times wealthier than what they get. It takes time. It is projected over a length of time. And to become a man, let's just say this. Come here, Asher. Help. You, you'll sleep anyhow. Come on. What do I preach so far? Huh? Hey, you, you know what I preach so far? Now, you're not going to get no lunch if you can't answer it. No, I'm playing. He, he's sitting there thinking, I wish he would hurry up. We're going to catch some fish over there at Dennis's this evening. <laughs> Listen to this. He's fully man. Everything in him is to, to be a man is already inside of him. It's just in seed form. It has to be nurtured and matured. Now, let me just say this. Let me, let me say this right here for a second. Where, where, let me just say this. You do not hear Catherine and I walking around our house. I, I mean, my God, I wish he was grown. I mean, I wish he had done, I wish he was through college right now and gone. No. We're looking at our oldest child thinking, my God, how can we get him, how can we stun him back some years? You know what I'm saying? Just want to hold on to him. But yet in the church, we take a new believer that gets born again and we wonder in a year why they don't have everything together. Why things are not perfected in their life. 
What we have to do in the family is allow the growth process to start. I'm not talking about overlooking sin issues here. Part of that growth in him is I've got to train and teach him there's some things we can't have right away. Because if, listen to me, here, let me just break it down real, real to you. As a father to a son, if he asks and it is provided instantly, what I've taught him is when he's alone with that girl at 16 years old that he doesn't have to wait because everything has been provided instantly. Oh my God, come on. Thank you right there. There's a reason why a young man that God at 16 years old allows your testosterone to shoot through the roof but yet can find sex to marriage. Oh my God. I just, I just had about just a covey of quail jumped up. Pastor Scott, we want to talk about city transformation, but let me tell you this. In Proverbs 16, I believe it is 22 or 23, it says that conquering your own soul is greater than conquering a city. The reason why we can't transform cities is because we can't transform us. Oh, don't stop me while I'm preaching good right now. The reason why we can't see city transformation because we can't see our own self transformed. So the reason why God gives you that, sir, is so you got something to guard and you got something to protect. Hello. God intends you to take that virginity across the finish line and the finish line is the threshold of your honeymoon chamber. Hello. You are proven to God that you can be a man. Hello. And if, let me go to the dads in here. If we got dads that'll lay identity into their daughters, they're not looking for love from that little teenage boy on Friday and Saturday night. Hello, they've done told them you're a princess. Hello, and we... Good Lord, good Lord. Listen here, listen here. If you told you a princess, we eat... The fine china comes out at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Hello, does it not? But just on Sunday night, if you're going to eat pancakes and deer sausage, I'm in the South. You're going to throw a chinette on the table. The chinette, we just throw it down and then throw it right in the trash can. But if you taught your whole life from the time you little all the way up that you're a princess, you realize right quick like when he's trying to handle you like chinette. I got to quit. I'm quit. All right, let's get back. Listen to this. Proverbs 23. This is, this is David. I mean, this is, this is Solomon training his sons. He says, when you sit down before kings. He didn't say, if you could. He said, when you're able to sit before kings. My God, let's get back to Proverbs. Listen to this. Because the Bible says, a man that is skillful, a man that is skillful in his arena will sit before kings. He will not sit before the Lord labors. This is why, sir, you must read and train yourself and equip yourself. The promotion you, you're begging God for is not held up from God. It's held up by you and your laziness and your apathy. Hello? My God, come on, somebody. But if you would get skilled, Proverbs says, the skillful men will set before kings. He will not set before the lower labors. Now, listen to what he says. When you set before kings, consider his delicacies that are out before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. I believe there's some things that God wants to get to the church, but he is not going to release them to the church until we can get some fathers in place that know how to put a knife to their throat and realize that it may not be given because it may not be given. It's not given because of them. Come on, somebody. It's not given to them because of their anointing, because of their gifting, but a generation that is following them. Hello. So good. I got to finish. Is y'all ready to go? I can feel it. Jack Hayford, who I quoted earlier, who is considered the pastor's, the pastor's pastor and one of the greatest leaders, said at a conference, my secret sauce, here's my secret sauce. Young preachers, if you want to know how I've been successful, 
businessmen, if you want to know how I've been successful, how I've built all over the world, and why people fly from all over the world to listen to the sound of my voice, here's my secret sauce. I've learned how to make decisions against myself. My God. Part of manhood is you must learn to make a decision against yourself. Listen to this. In 2 Corinthians 10, 23, uh, uh, Paul said, all things are permissible to me, but not everything is beneficial. Learning how to be a man is you separate the permissible the permissible to what is great. All things are permissible, but it doesn't mean that they're beneficial. If they're not beneficial to me in this season, I've learned how to say no to it. Even though the neighbor down the street might be doing the same thing, I said no at this house. Come on, somebody. And listen here, first of all, listen, Steve is not the standard in my household. Hello. Jesus is the standard in my household. We should never be looking at one another as the plumb line. The gospel's the plumb line. Jesus is the plumb line. Hello. Oh, I might as well go and get off right here. Can I? Get, I I'm going to borrow time. It's 11.54, okay? If you take your medicine, I'll let you know it's 12. We're almost done right here. Love this post right here that Ren said. The Pentecostal charismatic church will crucify other members of it, of its body, for a glass of wine. But yet no one says nothing about the 12 Krispy Kreme donuts that we've ate, taking up two chairs. Hello, diabetes, overweight, high blood pressure. I can preach about it because I'm a big man. Hello, somebody. Come on, Jesus is the plumb line, not your neighbor. Learn how to say no to some things. In this current, I'm I'm just out there. In this current father movement, not in the current, maybe, but a lot in this apostolic current father movement, what we've had, how I was raised at my house, if they were, they was me and two sisters. If there was four ham sandwiches, or, or or whatever, my dad was the one that didn't eat. But in the current model, most preachers would eat the four sandwiches, and the children wouldn't have nothing to eat. Paul said it's not right for the children to lay up for the fathers, but the fathers to lay up for the children. Come on, somebody. Learn how to distinguish when what is permissible to what is beneficial between good and great. Don't settle for permissible. That's the path of least resistance. Last thing I'm going to say that I wrote to my son was I told him this. The path of least resistance has no reward at the end. I said if it comes quick, it's not worth having The things you see me walk in today has taken me 21 years of hard work and labor. And I said, God blesses the work of your hands. If I could tell you anything, son, get a work ethic and work hard. My God, if I could tell any man in this room, you pray like it all depends on God. And you work every day like it depends on you. That is what God blesses. My God. We got so many boys in the church that are 45 years old with no work ethic. Come on, somebody. You're a grown man. You don't need to be somebody call you at 9.30 to wake you up. Hello, sir. Get up in the morning. Rise early and seek God. Hear God's voice for your family. Then get to work. God bless his work. Man, I'm telling you. Listen to this. What if Elijah, what if Elijah would have thought Well, I just lay out today, plowing 12 yoke of oxen. What a mundane job. But he was faithful to show up and plow the oxen. And God had spoke to a man by the name of Elijah and said, go by and anoint Elisha. Cast your mantle on him. I'm telling you, if you'll learn how to be faithful, promotion is found in the little things. Be faithful with the little things. God, get you want a big thing? Learn how to steward the acorn in your life. It's an oak tree just waiting to happen, but you've got to learn how to steward it. And 
Don't never allow somebody to call your acorn just an acorn. You look at it like it's the grownest tree you ever seen in your life. I remember being in a hotel room one night and the lady asked me, said, are y'all preaching in this city? I said, lady, listen here, God's given us the keys to this entire city. We ain't visiting here. God has given us the keys to the city. Hello, I believe by the power of the word that we're going to release tonight, God's going to open something up over this city. Come on, somebody. Man with a work ethic. I can't, I can't drive this home enough. But I'm telling you, if you watch my life, I started out at a company making $5.15 an hour, running a set of post hole diggers. There's, let me tell you something. There's an art to digging with post hole diggers. You don't just sling them on the ground. And they want nothing. They want no gym put a set of triceps on you like a set of post hole diggers you have to run every day. Your trash blow the shirt out. What happens, I quit using them. got 80 hours of sick leave a year Catherine will tell you for almost 10 years they wrote me a check for my 80 hours at the end of the year because I knew I'd get paid for those 80 hours if we didn't use them get a work ethic that's the part about being a man ain't ashamed learning how to work take responsibility same I I don't want really I'm, I'm out here can I just dig this a little bit right here if I see my kids idle in the house, it looks like I saw him sitting idle in the house. He had, a, he had an iPad in his hand. This is what I said. I said, John, you know on the other side of the air conditioner right there where the vinyl goes around the pool, where the vinyl fence goes around the pool? I said, there's some weeds in there. Go pull them weeds up out there. Why? Because I'm teaching him we're not going to sit down and rest. Come on, somebody. Get up and work. Boy, you tell that, that, that joke right there is old-fashioned. They some old landmines that I'm telling you and some old lampposts that'll bring a lot of safety to the church. One, one of the things we've done, we won't be so relevant with the culture that we forgot some old landmines. They still some old posts out there. Come on, somebody. That'll save us in times of trouble. I got some men that love to work up in here? Come on. We're not looking for nobody to pay the way. We're going to pay the way with the work of our own hands. Listen to this. If you're going to be a man, you got to have integrity. If you don't have integrity, you're a boy. And integrity, listen, the real you is not who you are right now in this service. The real you is when nobody's watching. Hello. And if you want to be blessed by God, get integrity. Today, society values gifting and talent over integrity. Integrity means you do it even when it costs you. Even when the expenses that you're in. This is why why business people don't want to do any business with Christians. Man, I'm telling you, I preach all day. I'm just going to bring it to, I'm getting close to the airport, okay? They just signaled to me. This is why people don't want to do no business. My my dad was a builder. He'll tell you one thing that you stay away from building, that is a church. Because the church want to get it for free, rip you out the money. Hello, that's not integrity. Jesus did not try to skip paying the temple tax. He told Peter, we owe it. So let's go give what goes to Caesar. Go give. And listen here, I need you to get the money for us. Go down there to the fishing hole. The first one you catch, open up his mouth. Going to be the money to take care of us. We used to eat, when I was in Alma, we used to eat at the country club. And the country club, listen this. First of all, I said, we're going to the country club. This is how people was. Oh. Man, you, we ain't going to country club to eat. It was, listen, you could get prime rib, three or four different types of meat, nice setting, dessert bar, full salad bar, and they even had the waffle station. Omelet, everything. $12.99. But yet they're going to pull through Dairy Queen, pay $8.50 for four chicken fingers and a little piece of bread. Oh, man, I'm, tell, I'm on too many rabbits. A little help me right here. Let me, let me get back right here. Let me listen. you got to have integrity. Listen to this. Bobby Jones is one of the greatest golfers in history and the first player to win four majors in one year. 
In the 1925 U.S. Open, Bobby Jones took one shot, took a one-shot penalty for touching the ball. No one saw him, and he himself was not sure if he had actually did it. He asked the officials to take the penalty. At the end of the tournament, Bobby Jones lost by one stroke. When tournament officials asked him, when tournament officials praised him for his choice, he said, you might as well praise me for not breaking into banks. He said, there's only one way to play this game, and I want to tell you there's only one way to be a man, and that is, sir, have integrity. I'm done right here. The The fourth virtue is to have raw passion. I started out with this. Raw passion. Men, we were born to be hunters, the wild side. To have passion. I want to get real, pay real. That's why we can have seven bathrooms, we still won't walk outside. We first moved to Adel, we had to move in subdivision. Never lived in subdivision in our life. Moved in subdivision. Our three boys. Neighbor had girls. Girls was out in the yard. Our boys was out in the yard. Light right waving at them. We had to teach them. We had to get them. Listen to this. I remember the first time John Bennett and Asher was in the tub and, and uh, John, Asher slung water on John Bennett and he was screaming, crying, running there to figure out what was wrong with him. And John Bennett hollered out and he said, he said, Daddy, Asher put city water in my mouth. <laughs> Men were meant to have passion, raw passion. Come on, somebody. Listen to this. Matthew 11 and 12 says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violent, but the violent take it by force. The word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word in theos, meaning in God. So the more you get into God and the more His Spirit gets into you, the more impassioned you become. How we need men to encounter a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit. Sir, in the, listen, in the world you get hungry by not eating. But in the kingdom, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. Enthusiasm. Why do we have men with no passion? Because we got men not in God. But if you hang out with God, the more His Spirit gets in you, the more passion you have. I'm gonna be, I just got to quit. I'm going to finish with this. Let me just say this. This is what I don't want to hear in this church. I'll start with you, Steve. Well, I'm going to let these young boys do it. These young ones. We done fought the war, these young ones. That is not biblical. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Caleb looks at Joshua and says, Listen, Moses has already promised me a land. I was 40 years old when I put my feet on that and when I brought back the I brought back the report as it was in my heart is what he said but then those other spies that were sent with me put fear upon the people to shut us down from inheritance. He said, I stand here today 85 years old and I'm just as strong as I was when we come here the first time. Give me my mountain. He requested a mountain with the giants still on it. He said, let God be with me as he was with us when we crossed over Jordan to take this mountain for God. I'm telling you, listen, we want the old and the young. This is not a youth movement. This is a family movement. Are you with me? And I believe God want some old men in this room to fight right alongside the young men until we all walk in our inheritance in this room. That's a good word. Now how many is ready to get some passion up in this room? How many is ready to stir yourself? Come on somebody. How many is ready to go to prayer chamber and study to show yourself approved? You give me 10 men I'll flip this city upside down. I said, give me 10 men. I'll flip this city upside down. Oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. Come on, stand up with me right here. Raise your hands. We started it with the songs. And I believe this is so on cue. Raise your hands. First of all, we're going to pray for our kids. We got 41 leaving in the morning. Going to the verge. 
Destin, Florida for camp. Going to Destin for youth camp. Man, come on. We had to go to Satilla River. <laughs> hey, going to Destin. It says that Stanton swears his youth camp. Say, so come back suntan with no fire. It ain't going to be good. No, I'm playing. Stretch your hands right here. I'm telling you, listen. How many did you have just in your class Wednesday night? 50 in his class Wednesday night. Seven never born again in their life received Jesus Christ as a Savior. Come on. This is in sports. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for every teenager. We thank you for the Verge. We thank you for Stanton and Abby. We thank you for the leaders traveling with them. Lord, we just pray, Father God, such encounters, such refreshing, just such encouragement. Let them, let, let their eyes be open, Lord, to see just more of you this week, Father. We pray, God, Lord, have your way in their lives. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray as they yield themselves to you, Holy Ghost, transform, transform them from the, from the inside out. Father, I pray for myself in this room. I am the one I preached to this morning. I know that I need more passion. I know that I need hunger. I know that I need to stir, stir myself, God. And Father, I pray that over every man in this room. We say that we're mighty men in this room. We say we are strong in you, Father. And Lord, I bless the men of this house. I thank you that you have always, you have always had the bearded men in this house. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you all friend we will see you here Wednesday night we hope you enjoyed our message of the week thanks for joining us our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships we want to connect with you please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone we pray you have a wonderful week